Good morning and welcome to another special edition of Work Human Radio, a part of our Keeping Work Human series. I'm your host, Mike Wood. And today we're going to be talking to John Baldino and Sabrina Baker, a couple of professionals and consultants that we have brought on the show before about how COVID is affecting their small businesses. Um, I love talking to John and Sabrina, and I'm sure you'll love hearing what's happening in, in their lives and their situations. So here's our conversation with John and Sabrina, and I hope you are all doing well and take care of each other. Hi, everybody. It's Steve Pemberton, Chief Human Resource Officer at Work Human. And today, as part of our continuation of our Keeping Work Human series, I have the pleasure of speaking with two dear friends of Work Human and John Baldino, who is the president at Humoreso, the provider of strategic and administrative human resources services. John, that is a mouthful. Uh, and John is joined by Sabrina Breaker, who is the founder and consultant at Acacia HR Solutions, a consulting firm headquartered in Los Angeles. So thank you for joining us today, John and Sabrina. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. So John, let's, let's start with you. Um, where, first, where, where are you headquartered? Where's home? Minnesota? We're in the Philadelphia area. Okay. Okay. So when did this begin? Um, the, the impact of this uh, begins hitting you first. Let's start on the personal side. Uh, with uh, immediate and extended family. Yeah, so thank you. The uh, About a month ago, uh, we started, obviously, the uh, news from overseas started to become more pressing here. Uh, I have uh, two of my three kids are in college, different colleges in Virginia and in Florida. Uh, and how they were home, one was home for spring break uh, on her way back. Uh, her classes were amended to go online. Uh, my, my son then came the second week, his classes had not yet been amended and then they were. So we've had this sort of back and forth now, you know, their lives are in dorm rooms <laughs> in other States and trying to figure out that whole, uh, uh, logistic piece of it. Uh, thankfully though, everybody has been healthy, uh, immediate family, my folks, my in-laws, everyone has kind of sheltered in place pretty quickly and, uh, has maintained health. So that, that's the most important piece. Good to hear. On the business side, what are some of the issues that you're hearing from your clients? Well, and I know that, you know, Sabrina will probably echo some of the same things, but um, this is this is brutal. Uh, we have small businesses that are <clears throat> some some are devastated. Um, some honestly, I think, are a bit decimated. Uh, and uh, we you know, there are some. Um, uh, of our clients that are that are actually thriving um, because of what they do, uh, it, it has worked out for them. Not in a way that they would lobby for, I'm sure, um, but the majority really are struggling. I mean, we are. Uh, you know, our firm in the past two weeks has processed uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of layoffs on behalf of the clients that we work with. I mean, hundreds. And that's not, I say that because it's not an exaggeration. Uh, it, it is, you know, every one of these letters that get sent out, every one of the communications that we're having, it is someone's life um, that we're talking to. And uh, it, so, so most of the organizations we work with are in survival mode. They, they are trying to figure out ways to get through this. Um, banking, trying to bank on a brighter tomorrow, uh, although it, it's tough because it's, 
out of our control. This pandemic is is still on the move, and uh, we've got more shelter-in-place orders uh, in states and cities across the country, and so that continues to impact businesses. Um, and the the organizations that we're working with again are in survival mode, and they're working on trying to retain as best as they can the work that they have and the staff to get it done. Uh, and they're the two priorities, along with keeping folks healthy and safe. Um, it's it's a big task. Uh, we're seeing most of the impact happening to organizations in that, I'd say, under 500 uh, employee space, um, and uh, especially with a few startups uh, that were ready to launch on some things. It, you know, it's all on hold. Those contracts are on hold. The the, the B2B work definitely has come to a, almost a screeching halt for a lot of the clients that we work with as well. You know, hearing you describe all of that in you know, the discussion uh, about a week to 10 days ago around the stimulus package. And one of my reactions to that was, you know, for a lot of these businesses, particularly the smaller owned businesses, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many ways, they've already been impacted. Uh, and the layoffs have happened. The doors are closing. Uh, furloughs are happening. Uh, you know, there's no, there will be no entity there. Um, and yet at the same time, we're seeing uh, some others on the other end of that spectrum who are aggressively hiring a lot, of course, on, on the front end. So, you know, to what degree do we see, will we see the other end of the spectrum from a recruiting standpoint? How's that going to be impacted based on what you've seen so far? Well, I, I think you make, right, you, you, you kind of bring the polar opposites to light there. So you've got these organizations, you know, I think about the the larger big box retailers, the Walmarts, uh, CVS, uh, Amazon on the distribution end of things. I mean, they're hiring. They are trying to pull in as many temporary workers as possible. Um, one of the really amazing things that has gone on uh, over the, especially over the last, I'd say, two weeks is the, uh, uh, surprise partnerships between industries that apart from COVID-19 probably would not have sat at the table to come up with these plans. And I think of organizations, for example, like Marriott, that is working directly with CVS. And as they are uh, laying off their staff at the various Marriott properties across the country, they are trying to link them up temporarily with CVS either at the distribution centers, at their retail stores, for those that are still doing drive-through pharmacy, anything that they can do because they are in need. Uh, you know, CVS is looking to hire 50,000. Uh, I think they've got another two and a half weeks left before they want to hit that number. And, and that's the way to do it. So to see the way in which companies have pulled together, um, and so that recruitment is very different, right? They're not posting jobs. They are really just trying to get these folks as they're getting their layoff letter for example, for Marriott, and move them right into CVS employment, even temporarily. Um, so that's really unique and different when it comes to recruitment. But, you know, the other piece of it is we've got organizations, Steve, to your point about, you know, we don't even know if they're going to be there. We, we are fortunate uh, that, you know, one uh, smaller piece, but definitely still a piece of the business that we do at Humoriso is with the hospitality industry, not just hotel, but restaurant as well. And so the vast majority of our restaurant clientele are boutique or small hospitality groups, and they're all closed. 
you're not going to Manhattan right now to have, you know, five-star dining, a James Beard winning meal. You're not even going there to get it for takeout. It's not happening. And so those places are, are closed. And, you know, what about the, that staff? Um, where are they going? Um, what kind of transferable skills can they look to try to put into something else? We're not really sure what the restaurant industry, for example, is going to look like, how long it will take for that to come back. Um, how long it will take for people to feel comfortable dining in again versus maybe just starting to grab things, delivery or takeout. Um, that, there's a ramp up there that we're just not sure of. And what will that mean for recruitment? I think it might be difficult to get people to want to stay in for the long haul with so much unknown. Agreed. The, um, the, you know, there's a harsh reality to face that this is going to take a long time to achieve any degree of normalcy. Yeah. You know, to your point around dining out at restaurants and advisories on masks and the extraordinary caution that people are going to take. I mean, I almost get the sense that you're not going to see really, you're not going to see true comfort uh, on, until there's a vaccine, which is yeah. Yeah. the most aggressive timeline ever would be a year. <laughs> it would be the most aggressive in the history of the world to develop a vaccine that quickly. Yeah. Uh, 12 to 18 uh, months. You know, I, I saw a uh, last question for you before um, uh, we turn our attention to uh, Sabrina. Uh, I recently saw an article in The uh, Economist. I'm curious about Mariso's reaction to this as well. And, and the, the, the article in The Economist, in essence, said, you know, it's really the CFOs uh, within um, organizations and companies who kind of pull the country. Uh, back from from the brink. I mean, there are other people involved as well, but it was really the CFO. And the economist's point this time around was that it won't be the CFO, although they'll have a role because they always do. But this time, it's going to be the CHRO, human resources in particular, who's going to have to pull uh, folks back from the brink. Um, all the reasons that you just discussed. What, what's your take on that? How is HR going to be different, look different after this? Yeah, it's, I, I think that's a great point. Um, uh, I, ideally, I think human resources is going to have to learn to be nimble differently. Tell me what you mean by being nimble differently. <clears throat> So uh, I think that one of the, so, so case in point, right now we are dealing with, uh, you know, stay-at-home orders. Uh, a lot of organizations are trying to make remote working work. Uh, and there has been success with that. And I think that, you know, it's not able to be done for all types of industries, all jobs. Uh, but for those that can, I think that even if they weren't really prepared, they've sort of, uh, you know, duct taped it together for now to get things working. Um, I think that we have to be, from an HR perspective, ready to be a bit more flexible in our approach to people uh, moving forward in how we build structures now that help people learn, uh, perform, and connect. That's going to be how HR, I believe, is going to really make the difference in bringing us back because we are pushing people. Look at our education system. We are pushing uh, students to do a lot more self-learning. I appreciate that there's pre-recorded videos and those kinds of things. I'm not saying that they are doing it alone completely, but there's a lot of responsibility put back on the student now to pace learning, to self-teach. 
we are going to wind up seeing those things need to make a, need to make room, excuse me, in our companies for that kind of learning to happen for our staff because we're going to have to come up quickly, come up to speed on things faster than we used to in order to, to bounce back from this as quickly as we need to. So performance then is going to be impacted. And of course, we're experiencing what it means to connect differently today. Uh, I think when people come back together, look, they're still people. They're still going to be nervous. There's going to be hesitancy about open office concepts. There's going to be nervousness around break rooms. There's going to be nervousness around community refrigerators. And I'm not here to try to freak people out. I'm saying we, as human resource professionals, have to be ready to sort of handle quickly how we provide safety, a healthy environment, but an environment that needs to get going quickly. We don't have time for people to sit around and commiserate um, and wallow in that, but to say, look, here we are. It's today. We're here. HR has got to help lead um, the skills that are needed to move forward with this. We don't have time to waste. No. Um, and in fact, for, for uh, uh, all human resources, uh, you know, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you are not now, you should be uh, working on your return uh, to office yep. plan, physical office plan, because there's going to be an extensive protocol on doing so that will be uh, it'll be choreographed. Uh, you can almost certainly count on, you know, temperature checks and a whole uh, having been tested for COVID-19. You can see a whole protocol that's going to unfold about this. So uh, time to get prepared for that. Sabrina, uh, you are in uh, California. And uh, I want to begin with the same thing. Uh, give us uh, a bit of a sense of how this began to unfold for you personally. Yeah, so being on the West Coast, it unfolded quickly, obviously, with Seattle and San Francisco having such a uh, large population very fast. San Francisco being one of the first ones to move everybody to remote, uh, you know, requiring that, you know, everybody could, uh, needed to work remote. And so it seemed to, uh, be very, very quick for us. And, and a lot of us here in the state almost felt like we were the only ones in the country initially kind of reacting or doing anything because we were doing uh, everything so aggressively. It happened very, very quickly and very aggressively. Um, I have worked remote for a decade. So uh, my team, and it wasn't a big shift for us, but certainly I have a 10-year-old. So, uh, you know, shifting him to home. My husband uh, works in retail. So he works in the corporate office in retail. And so, you know, that whole shift of a very large retail organization, it, it, it hit quickly. And I think there were a lot of, still is a ton of uncertainty around what are we doing? Um, it seems to change every day on what we need to be doing and what we should be doing. But it, it started, I do feel like it started earlier for us. And so maybe we had more time to adjust, um, but it still feels very different and, and still trying to navigate all of the uncertainty. Well, I know that one of Acacia's most popular services is the HR hotline uh, for startups and small businesses to direct HR-related questions to you. So a two-fold question. Uh, one, what was the volume of that like? And then uh, the, the, the second uh, is, is more about uh, any differences between what we generally see about larger corporations in terms of, of response and, and smaller businesses. 
Yeah, so the HR hotline is primarily the smallest of small. So the clients that are on that service are startups and small businesses that are typically under 50 employees. So they don't really have a need for full-time HR. They just have questions from time to time and they, they want to be able to handle it themselves. The volume of that has tripled since this started. So um, just the number of clients signing up for it and then the calls that we're getting, that's primarily where we're spending a lot of our time. Initially, the concerns were just around how do I stay afloat? Um, once the shelter in place order started, it was what's an essential business, what's not. So really just the basics of trying to navigate what does all of this mean and, and how does my business fit into this? Um, one thing that has been consistent uh, throughout the, the weeks that we've been dealing with this is small business owners calling and saying, I want to keep my people. I want to keep my business. What, what are my options here? And so there was a lot of uncertainty initially before we had the Families First Coronavirus Act and before we had the CARES Act. And, you know, until we got those things in place, there was so much just real fear from um, business owners of how, how on earth do I navigate this? You know, to John's point earlier, some of them are devastated and they did have to lay off quickly and, and early. And so um, these things that are in place now are unfortunately maybe not going to help them. Um, so, and then as the regulations came out, the questions changed to what does this mean? What is, you know, am I, does my business qualify for this? And so it's just really been helping navigate kind of the entire administrative side of how do I keep my employees, the employees that I lay off, what happens to them, what do I have to send them, kind of that unknown of, you know, what, what are we doing now? What, what's been your counsel to them? So it, it's it's been hard, and I will say that um, this is probably the first time in my career that I have had business owners in tears, you know, on the phone over things, and and really having to navigate with that them has been it's it's been really really difficult. Um, unfortunately, we've had to make some hard decisions, and and the biggest thing that I keep telling them is, you know, yes, you you have to be a leader now, and and that's absolutely true, but you also have to be human. And we have to give ourselves grace in the fact that nobody knew how to do this. None of us walked into this pandemic exactly how to navigate it. And so um, while, you know, we may have to make some tough decisions that you don't want to have to make, we have to realize that this is kind of the state that we're in right now. And, and we'll absolutely do our best. And we're going to do it with empathy and, and grace and trying to make sure that if we do have to make those really tough decisions of laying an employee off, that we give them the best tools they possibly can to move forward. That, that latter point is a critical one. And, and John made that point about this alignment between Marriott and CVS as an example, where you have a lot of entities who are looking at kind of redeploying and uh, collaborating. It's okay if you don't know how to be a cashier, we'll teach us quickly as we can. It's probably not the best example because you don't have foot traffic in stores, of course. But there's a role we can show you how uh, to handle an assembly line in a distribution center, you know, for, for example. So you know, for those who are listening to this is, it's, um, and, and have working for those small businesses, you know, there are options out there. Uh, it requires a little bit of homework and, and, and legwork to just figure out you know, what they are. But I, I've seen some cases, Serena, where they're hiring kind of sight unseen because they just needed they, they need people, uh, many of them, of course, um, and, and, you know, the hourly worker, the retail worker. It's almost like, um, you know, the seasonal hiring is now for a lot of those who, who are dealing with some bigger, uh, you know, bigger asks and, 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 and requests. Um, it, it, you know, one of the, I think what 
we're all thinking in some way, shape, or form. Think about you know the immediate term, right? Taking care of our families and all of those things, of course. Uh, but um, and and there will be this uh, assessment, right? Post COVID assessment about a whole lot of things. Um, one of them, absolutely, is going to be about leadership uh, because we are seeing the presence of or the absence of uh, leadership. And, and that that created this I mean, leadership communication. I want to get your thoughts about that as as well. One, um, have you seen examples of this as you're on you know these calls from small businesses, and just more broadly than that, um, do you think that we're going to redefine uh, leadership coming out of this? I think it will definitely be redefined. I think that um, you know already we've seen people who. Um, realize that they have to step up and they really don't know how to do that. Um, and so they're looking for guidance on, you know, how do I deal with all of the different things that I have to deal with right now? So when you're before COVID-19, leadership development centered around soft skills, but those are really communication, um, you know, setting goals. They were, they were very business focused. Now we have leaders looking at how do I help with mental health? How do I help my employees, you know, deal with the fact that, that they may be under a ton of stress with all of the things, maybe a partner's lost a job and their kids are home and, you know, how do I help them deal with that? So I think we're going to see a shift in what soft skills mean. I think it's going to expand broadly and it's going to go beyond just how do we communicate, but really how do we deal with a whole person and everything that uh, they are trying to work through, not just now, but once this is all over, because I think to both your points earlier, this is not just Gonna, we're not going to have a day where we all just go back into the office and everything is fine. It's, it's just not going to happen that way. There's going to be a complete shift. And so I, my hope is that we will see companies focus much more intensely on that leadership development and, and make it more broad where we not, we're not just talking about those two or three topics that we've seen historically that are important to leaders, but really overall understanding that we are dealing with human beings and all that goes along with that. And to, to that end, um, how should organizations now uh, be prioritizing their their HR efforts? You know, one of them we just talked about, planning for a return back to a physical office. Uh, I saw a quick headline today, and this every day is, you know, a headline about something, right? Uh, but that there is the possibility of getting tested for coronavirus antibodies, which means in essence that you had it, you are now recovered from it. And, but one of the first reactions was, and so you'd have a cohort of the population now that um, uh, has overcome it and those individuals going back to work in, in essence. So that kind of staging you know, uh, thing. Are there other things like that, you know, returning to work, returning to office that HR should be begin to prioritize? You know, I think uh, one thing that they we definitely have to think about is um, engagement and morale. And these are things that we've always thought about, but it's going to be even more important now while we're all spread out, but also when we go back in. If, if the company did have to do layoffs, um, there's going to be a shift in mindset of people who are still there. You know, is the company going to continue to survive? And what if this happens again? And so um, I think prioritizing around 
how do we keep employees engaged? And, and if we have had to make some tough decisions, the employees that we still have, how do we make them priority? How do we make sure that we are staying engaged with them, that we're reaching out, that we're understanding um, what they need from us, and also that we are over-communicating to them what's happening, where we are. There's a, a quote from Kat Cole that I absolutely love that um, she says, when I think I've communicated enough, I communicate more. And I just absolutely love that. And I think this is one of those times where as HR, we're going to have to really think about, are we communicating enough to our employees? Can we communicate more? How can we work on engagement uh, now when we're all spread out, but also once we do have that return to work plan, what is that going to look like? Because we're not going to be able to just say doors are open. Great. Everybody come back to work. You know, how do we ease into this? How do we keep them engaged and feeling confident that we're still thinking about their safety? We're still thinking about their health and that they, as our employees, are still very, very important to us. We've all gone through fire drills in elementary school that you, you know, the bell rang. It was a drill. You went outside. The fire department came and gave you all clear to come back in. This is not going to look like that at all. No, no, not at all. Staged uh, and with a lot of protocols in place that, you know, that we've not had to do before. You made that point earlier that all of a sudden the folks calling you, you know, 50 uh, or, or fewer employees and asking, well, how, show me how to do something that I've not had to do before. You know, this is going, going to be one of them. Um, you know, clearly there's so much, I want to ask uh, John uh, this question as well. I mean, clearly there's so much about this that is incredibly sobering and, and it's hard in the moment to see how, as a result of this, that there can, that we can emerge out of it better. Um, and it's really hard when you're in the midst of it. Uh, but, you know, what are the ways that you think, uh, as a result of COVID-19, that the way in which we work is, is going to change? And I'll start with you, Sabrina, and then John, same question. Sure. So I believe that one of the things that it is pushing us to is, one, be more empathetic and more human towards one another, more understanding, but also um, to be very collaborative, you know, to, to figure out ways, especially when you, I think you take for granted if you work in an office that you're, the person you need to talk to is just literally right across the cubicle from you. Um, and so coming up with those creative ways to stay um, engaged with one another, collaborate with one another, I think it's going to push those connections a little bit harder. I, uh, I'm an introvert and I, I have learned through this that even introverts have their limits of how much introvert birding they can do. They, they need that connection as well. And so um, I, I think that it's going to make everybody really appreciate the ability to work with people, be more understanding um, and to encourage closer relationships uh, within the workplace. John. Yeah, I think um I totally agree with Sabrina, and I think too the there, there's a, a competing there are competing concepts that we're going to have to be ready to deal with on either end of the the spectrum, and that's this fear versus freedom um, consideration that I think uh, is going to impact not only our people but our processes as well. And so, how do we act? Um, are we are we altering our values as a result of what we've experienced here with coronavirus? What's our risk aversion? Uh, you know, those, those companies that felt very free around venture capital funding, you know, private equity, that, 
that's all going to be very different as well, I believe, moving forward. The construct around business at all levels um, will be impacted by this. And I think we've got to be ready to constantly have this fear versus freedom conversation with our, particularly our senior leadership, but all the way down to our entry level folks who are walking back in and trying to figure out how, how do I act? How do I exist now? Um, that conversation is something we should be ready for often. And not judge it, um, yeah. right? That if you're on the fear side, it's, it is perfectly normal and understandable uh, to, um, to hear that, to, to expect it. You know, just Sabrina's earlier point about communicating some internal decisions we're making at Work Human. And every time we've talked about, generally speaking, like scenario planning, which virtually all organizations are doing at some level, uh, whereas at the same time saying, that you know, it's okay to give reassurance, of course, because in, you, know, you have people who are in situations where they've lost an income in the family, for example, and the other partner uh, or spouse is asking, well, how, how are things at your place? And you know, these, these are going to be um, ongoing you know, conversations, like these multiple streams you know, all happening at the exact same time. Well, you know, you, you've both been um, uh, longtime uh, partners uh, with uh, with Work Human, and so you know that we're all about gratitude and, and, and recognition. And so I wanted to wrap up by asking uh, each of you individually uh, what you're grateful for. Uh, John, start with you. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm grateful for my family. Uh, again, as I said at the onset, that they're, you know, making it through healthy and, and doing what they need to do, and we're doing it together. Um, but I would add with that, too, just grateful for the team. And I know, you know, Sabrina was mentioning earlier, you know, her her call volume is tripled, you know, with the one service. We're busy, and I'm just grateful that, that uh, the staff at Humoriso and all, you know, working from home all over the place where they are, uh, have really stepped up. So just proud of the team as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, of course, um, I'm so grateful that in, in my life, I'm lucky enough to to have a healthy family and, and not have anybody that I know so far been directly impacted. Um, same thing about my team. They just, you know, we've, we've stepped up and really been able to work almost around the clock, even with our kids at home and dealing with spouses who weren't home before and now are. And, and so um, super thankful for that. But, you know, and I, I, I don't know how to say this without it maybe sounding odd, but I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to go through this and see uh, the, the power of, that something like this can have in changing the way that humans work together, changing the way that they interact. We've seen so many people right from um, clothing manufacturers now step up to, you know, making masks and the, the CVS Marriott, things that, you know, to John's point would have never happened. Um, while this is, is tragic and I would never wish anybody to go through this, I'm thankful that I get to see um, just the human spirit that's kind of been uh, revived and the, the attitude of we're going to get through this and we're going to be better for it. It's, um, it's really been nice to, to experience that all around. I, I heartily agree with, with both your sentiments. And Sabrina, I don't, I don't think it's odd at, at all. Um, and, you know, clearly, you know, we are not the creators of this, uh, but we are um, the owners of the response. You know, so not everything, um, a lot of things that are not our fault, uh, but they are ultimately our responsibility. And uh, this kind of what you're describing 
Uh, and John's pointing out too um, around engagement, for example, is kind of recentering of of humanity after uh, far too long in. Uh, my humble opinion, the valley of negativity and um, uh, false gods and uh, celebrity and a lot of anger, um, unjustified disagreement, almost becoming so much so the foundation of the ways in which we interact. So those of us in the HR, uh, you know, world in the last 10 years have found us having to take on those conversations more so than we would have had know, uh, prior generations of HR professionals as well. And uh, clearly not the calamity itself, but the response to the calamity is going to be this kind of recentering. Um, and what what I am particularly, uh, and I feel the same kind of quasi-discomfort about calling something, um, um, uh, you know, you're excited by the possibility because you don't want it to have ever happened this way. You know, you have families who are losing their matriarchs and patriarchs and all, all this sobering reality. And, and at the same time, how do you best honor, you know, their lives is because for those grandparents in particular, and all the sacrifices that that generation made, the generation before them, uh, is, you know, the world as it is, a lot of great things in the world have come because of them. And when we're losing so many of them over which we have had no say, regrettably so, but we can have every say over how we honor their lives by this recentering of, of, of humanity. Uh, that means not taking the small things you know, for, for granted, which arguably I think is, has happened for, for quite some time. And obviously we couldn't have work human live um, uh, this year, although we are going to have it next year. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that we talked about internally is how incredibly grateful we are uh, for um, all of those in our kind of extended work human family. Uh, and so when I was listening to both you and John describing the ways, I can just imagine being on the call when you get that call uh, from a business owner. How do I stay afloat? What do I do? Um, and all the crises that unfold, uh, you know, we're, we're grateful for all of our partners who are trying to lift up humanity in every way that they can. So uh, we're really grateful, not just obviously uh, for your time here today, but what you're very likely to do as soon as you hang up this call is get back uh, to helping people. So thanks for that. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate that. Thank you. So John and Sabrina, it was great chatting with you today. And thanks for the additional perspective, particularly as it relates uh, to small businesses. You know, that uh, perspective is an important one for all of us, not only for HR, but for the broader world of work. Uh, I remain uh, convinced that we're going to get past and through this pandemic. Uh, and in the process, uh, put in our rearview mirror legacy processes and practices that have oftentimes, one, not been anchored in any real reality. Things, uh, you know, arcane policies around work from home, for example, that now we know um, weren't really born in any uh, practical experience because we see workforces that are actually becoming more efficient. We've learned as employers that we can trust our employees uh, to be engaged in their work, even if they're doing it from home. And we've also learned that we can be more flexible, that it's okay to have children on laps and pets running by uh, and hearing um, the uh, doorbell chime. Uh, in fact, there's perhaps no more human way 
for us uh, to respond to uh, COVID-19 and in the world of work by truly bringing a work-life balance together. Thanks again for joining us. You stay safe and well, and we'll see you tomorrow.